0: Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho Athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho Athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris Keane.
1: The fourth ranked Idaho Vandals, that has a nice ring to it as we welcome you into this edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. And first off, a reminder that the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman as the Vandals team physician orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between let the team that takes care of the vandals take care of of you, we got another pack show planned today. We'll be joined by Dennis Patchen, not only the former voice of the Vandals, but Dennis uh, did TV for the game against Sac State, and he did Eastern's game, their victory over southeastern Louisiana. Decades and decades and decades of covering the Vandals, the big sky, eastern Washington will get his perspective, and he will have the game coming up on Saturday when the Vandals head up to the red turf at Roosevelt and Cheney for their top 25 battles second week in a row a top 25 battle against eastern and we'll also get caught up with brand new women's basketball coach carrie amy will get up to speed with carrie amy on the latest with the women's basketball program getting ready for her first year and shoot a tip off to the season we'll be here before we know it but getting things kicked off joined by chris hammond from the vsf chris You were there on Saturday. The Vandals, a 36-27 to victory. The home opener, the big sky opener, first top 10 battle at the Dome since 1994. What were your thoughts on what was a thrilling victory for Idaho on Saturday?
2: Uh, Everybody was right. I think about every conversation you listen to, any podcast, any article you read, everybody said this was going to be a slobber knocker. It was two top teams going at it, and that's exactly what we saw. I mean, uh, Idaho never trailing in this game was a really good safety net as a fan, kind of sitting there like, okay, at least the best they can do is tie it up here. They can't take the lead, so we 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 had that working for us, which was which was made it a little less uh, painful on the heart some of those moments. But man, it was just we would hit, they would answer, and um, the offense moved so incredibly well. We only had to send the punt team out twice. Um, they only got a uh, one punt officially in the books, so uh the offense clicked, and that's what was so crazy about this game. Is though, you know, the scoop and score there at the end from the defense, but you go like, oh wow, the the defenses must have played great, and these offenses must have struggled. And no, the the is kind of bend but not broke, and the offenses were able to kind of go tit for tat there for a while. And uh, it was it was just so fun to watch, watch that game. Uh, just two teams. I hope we don't see him in the playoffs because, I mean, I, I don't know if I can take another Idaho Sac State game. Back, the last two have come down to the wire. I, I think I'm ready to see Sac State next season. Let's let's avoid them the rest of this season. Less in Frisco, then we can't control it.
1: <laughs> well, and what a victory it was for Idaho. You look at what Sac State had going for them coming into that game. They had just beat Stanford, the only FCS team to top a Power 5 opponent this year. They had won 22 straight regular season games. They had won 19 consecutive Big Sky games, and they had won 12 straight road games. 15 in a row on the road against FCS opponents. And those streaks coming to an end at the Dome on Saturday. What a major victory. And I'm thinking about this, Chris, and I ask you this question. I don't necessarily have the answer. This is more just kind of a fun thought exercise. This was a great way to start off the home schedule for the Vandals. Again, a big, big sky opener for Idaho with the win, but this is a great home win. I don't know when the, the, the this is the best home win since. Uh, there's no necessarily right answer, but uh, we're talking years and years since a home win that that means this much, that is as impactful as this. I would agree. I'd, I'd say emotionally, this is probably the biggest
2: win we've had in the Gibby Dome since 2019 versus Eastern when they were that uh, – I think they were like ranked number 10 or 9, something like that. And we kind of took it to them, like 35-7 going into the halftime. Um, That was a big one, but obviously, as you said, in terms of importance, this is a much more important win. A top-10 matchup, I believe Jarek found it It was the first top-10 matchup since 1994 in the Gibby Dome. So uh, maybe emotionally it wasn't that, oh my gosh, we pull off this top-10 upset in the Dome. It was the opposite, where we were a top-10 team playing another top-10 team, something we haven't seen in over 20-something years, almost 30 years. So uh, it was cool to see, I agree with you, I can't think back to a game that was this important being played in the KB Dome and us coming out with the victory.
1: And that game in 2019, that was a fun one. Charles O'Connell just went off in that victory yes, over Eastern did. Washington. Speaking of Eastern, we'll have more on them coming up. The polls are now out, Chris. We know what the latest top 25 poll is. Uh, stats perform the Idaho Vandals up. To number four. That puts them as the second ranked team in the big sky, Montana State at three. So it's South Dakota State, the defending champs, they're at number one. North Dakota State, they're at number two. Montana State at three. And Idaho at four. William and Mary at five. A look at those top five. But we zoom out bigger picture. Uh, this top 25 is loaded with big sky schools. Mm-hmm. Sac State, they don't drop much. And of course, that's a great credit to Idaho. No one looks at Sac State's loss to the Vandals as a, a big knock on their resume. Sac State at 8. Weber State, tough goal of it. Montana State really took it to them, winning 40 to nothing. So Weber State 13. Montana, we can get into that in a moment. Montana is 18. The Vandals' next opponent, Eastern Washington. They are 19. So for the second straight week to start conference play, it's a top 25 game for the Vandals. And then UC Davis at 21. What runs to your mind when When we go through the latest top 25 poll.
0: Just how hard it is to
2: win the big sky conference and something that the Vandal fans should uh, keep in mind. If we're able to keep this team going and uh, put a name on a banner this year. I mean, they, they will have earned it. There's, there's no breaks this season for Idaho. There's no breaks for a lot of these teams. Uh, what is that? Six, six big Sky teams in the top 25. That's a, seven.
1: Uh, seven at this
2: point. Seven. When you factor seven in teams Eastern in the top Indian 25. There, yeah,
1: Montana, Idaho, Sac State, Weber State, Montana, Eastern. I have to do the math. I'm making sure I'm using my fingers to count. But pretty remarkable <laughs> with Eastern jumping in, it makes it seven.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at well over half the conference, 60 70% of the conference, whatever it is, is is ranked in the the top 25 they are 25 of the best team, technically 21 of the best teams in the country uh seven of them are in the big sky conference that's there's no breaks uh every week is going to be a big week something that uh if you we're not at the sac state game i mean there's no excuse not to be getting up to the kibbe Dome. because i mean we're i kind of touched on it in the post game we're we're gonna need us i mean this schedule does not get any easier even if we got the big teams at home we've we, the fans, we, the alumni, um, we need to show out. Because the students, I agree with him, they were phenomenal. Uh, they got in real early. They were loud. The, the Sac State was getting warmed up. So uh, if we can continue and build on this atmosphere, uh, we've got a real shot to win the Big Sky title this year.
1: And just think what that student section and what the overall crowd is going to be like for the next home game against Montana, the battle for the Little Brown Stein. And then the next home game after that is October 28th against Montana State. Uh, there's a long ways between now and then. So who knows what happens. But where we sit today, that's a top five battle. That game could obviously have implications on who wins the Big Sky Conference this year. Uh, those are going to be some huge games coming up. So if you if you don't have your tickets, if you don't have your plans to, to get to Moscow for that, uh, make those now. Uh, it, we had so much fun on Saturday, and this is such a special team that is definitely worthy of all the support and every Vandal fan uh, coming out for it. Just taking a look around the big sky, it was the first week of conference action. Uh, Chris, I think the, the game of the week nationally, not only in the big sky, took place at the P1FCU Kibby Dome. It was Idaho Sac State. The Vandals getting that victory. The most notable outcome Montana losing to NAU. The Grizz had started 3 0, but not the strongest of non conference schedules. NAU was 0 3, kind of licking their wounds after a loss to Utah Tech, but it was the Lumberjacks' day there in Flagstaff.
2: Yeah, I, you know, Flagstaff is notoriously known as kind of one of those hard places to play. It's a dome, it's at elevation it is kind of the furthest travel point for most of the teams in the conference. So they always say some spooky stuff can happen there. Um, And that that's exactly what happened. I mean, you go into this, the translated property does not translate to sports, but just one week ago, Utah tech had their way with Northern Arizona. And two weeks before that, Montana had their way with Utah tech. So you go into that going, okay, Utah tech handled NAU Montana handled Utah tech. Obviously Montana should win this game. And, not the case at all. I mean, I was listening to Bobby Hawke's post-game remarks, and uh, I know Chris Ball, I believe, the NAU coach is in his contract year, and he said he basically blew up the playbook, and they were like, all right, we're going to try this new freshman quarterback. We're going to build a system around him. And, you know, if you're an NAU fan, I think it might give you a little bit of optimism of, all right, maybe we are seeing what our flaws were, and they're making some changes to do it. I'm sure Montana is not exactly excited that that change and decision was made right before they played them because – uh, I mean, NAU looked like a whole different team. Uh, I don't necessarily. I don't. Montana will get a lot of flack for still being in the top twenty-five. Um, I think they're probably still a top twenty-five team. I don't know if is where they. I would put them, but uh, I don't have a poll in the, uh, a vote in the poll, so uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. But uh, yeah, I mean, Montana. That that was a shocking matchup, and then even keeping it in the treasure state a little more. I mean. A different kind of shocking. We had another top 10 matchup. If there was one game that's going to compete with Idaho for game of the week this year or this past week, it was top 10 matchup Montana State against Weber State in Ogden. And man, Weber State did not show up 40 to zero. A defensive team. I mean, Weber had a defensive coach. They hired their offensive coordinator to try to become a more offensive team. And you whoo know, getting just. Zero dropped on his is not a good look for Weber state. Hopefully it's just a bounce back and goes to show
1: that Montana state might just be at a national title tier this year. And the Vandals have both those teams coming up later in the season, as we talked about that Montana state game, October 28th, but you look at the schedule right now and uh, I'd say arguably the, the toughest road game, the Vandals have less uh, left will be in Ogden on November 11th against Weber State so so really intriguing outcomes and and with that Eastern Washington going on the road to beat UC Davis as we kind of transition into our preview of what's next for the Vandals so this is another top 25 match at the Vandals ranked fourth Eastern Washington ranked 19th this is an Eastern program that's used to being ranked in the top 25 though they hadn't been so far this year Last year, uh, uncharacteristic a struggle for them and a really tough start to the season. But some impressive results for Eastern Washington. They lost 35 to 10 at the home of the Vikings there in Minneapolis in their opener. They they really I think turned some some eyes. They caught attention when they took Fresno State to double overtime, but lost on the road to the Bulldogs 34 to 31. But since then, their home opener, they beat Southeastern Louisiana 40 to 29. Of course, the Vandals are familiar with Southeastern Louisiana because that's the team that that knocked Idaho out of the FCS playoffs last year in Hammond. And then they went on the road on Saturday and beat UC Davis 27 24. It all makes for, as we said, just a, another intriguing matchup for Idaho. There is uh, there's no gimmies to start conference play for the Vandals.
2: No, no, there is not, and. I think I touched on this a couple of weeks ago, Eastern Washington, every year they've missed the playoffs they've bounced back and made the playoffs the next year. So maybe people were a little too quick to think Eastern West is going to be able to pull this off. Um, this is kind of their first r- real test. I would say, I mean, you know, for what they might consider a winnable game. I mean, NDSU handled them at the beginning of the year, but NDSU has showed out to maybe be a little bit back up to where they were. So that game doesn't look as bad. And then, um, I mean, Fresno State, they take them down of the wire. That's a big momentum, confidence builder. And then, you know, Southeastern Louisiana uh, just doesn't really look to be the team that they were last year when we played them. They've had a, a rough start of it uh, starting out the year 0-4 and just getting upset by a conference team that was predicted last in their conference. So um, Southeastern, uh, not quite the team that uh, they were last season, but still a good win for Eastern. And they're building a lot, a lot of momentum coming in with a big win over UC Davis. Now they get to host us at home. You know, Aaron Best is uh, not going to let his team sleep on this one. They're going to have plenty of motivation after last year in the Kibby Dome. and I mean, this game, since we've come back to the big sky, correct me if I am wrong, but the home team has won it every single time.
1: That sounds right. I even think back to that first uh, goofy spring game that there was and not that the spring season was goofy per se, but that was just kind of there was some uh, uh, some interesting yeah. bounces are, uh one call in particular in that game. I, I think back of where there's just, uh, you know, there's just a sprinkle of uh, of just a little bit of, you know, different element. It seems like when Idaho and Eastern play. And speaking of that recent history, let's just go back the last two years idaho getting a a dominating win over eastern washington last season at home and i know that was that was satisfying for a a lot of vandals specifically guys on the team who had been in the program idaho beat eastern last year 48 to 16 but you go back two years ago chris october 16th on the red turf at roosefield and cheney eric barrier went off and Eastern beat idaho seventy one to twenty one and I know for the guys who are still in the program who were around two years ago and uh, were part of the team played in that game that was a that was a tough day for the Vandals, and I think they particularly want to have a different taste in their mouth uh, when they leave Cheney compared to what was a fifty point loss and you know it's interesting how how quickly things can change where Giovanni McCoy played in that game, and who knew you know. A little more than 365 days later, Giovanni would be the Jerry Rice Award winner. Who knew he would be the outstanding quarterback that he is and just the one of the top players, uh, pound for pound in the big sky conference, I think. Everyone recognizes one of the best quarterbacks at the FCS level, but that's when he was still getting, you know, dipping his toes in the water as a as a true freshman in the year that he was able to redshirt. So a lot can change, and I know that this will be a, a big opportunity for the Vandals as those guys who are around, and I'm sure the ones who weren't around, will be reminded by the guys who were with Idaho two years ago about the last time the Vandals played in Cheney.
2: You're, you're 100% right. I mean, we didn't uh, hate to go all the way back, but, man, I feel like we didn't touch on Giovanni's McCoy's uh, performance against Sac State. I mean, six incompletions, two touchdowns, 200 yards. Like, he is just putting together. It's maybe not as flashy as it was last year, but he is quietly putting together just this, another fantastic season. Six incompletions. I mean, Stanford had 13 incompletions in their game against Sac State. So, I mean, McCoy playing at a Power 5 level, um, you love to see it. And Eastern Washington, same kind of thing. They had Gunnar Talkington last year, and they really it feels like they found their guy with Kakoa, and they're kind of starting to look a little bit more like that frisky Eastern team we've seen where they have that dual-threat quarterback that can just kind of take the top off of teams. Um, he might not be an Eric Berry. He might not be a Vernon Adams. But, I mean, this is an Eastern kind of guy, and I, I think we're in for a real uh, offensive showing this weekend uh, on the red turf there in Cheney.
1: Yeah, a couple of my my favorite stats from that Sac State game is Sac State had held opposing quarterbacks to under a 60% completion percentage in 18 of their last 19 games. Uh, Giovanni was uh, a 71% completion percentage. Anthony Woods, a guy who wasn't, uh, you know, it was not known if he'd be able to play or not going into the week, well, it hadn't been 100%, uh, goes for over 100 yards and, and finished with force. I mean, he set a tone the way he ran the ball in that game. And that Sac State had not allowed a sack going into the year. Of course, that's including their game against a Power 5 opponent in Stanford. And the Vandals got multiple sacks, including one by a true freshman, Dallas Offalava, as we continue to see some of those young guys uh, make some big-time plays. Uh, not only an impact now, but think about uh, what they can do in the future. Chris. It's always great chatting with you here. I'm itching to go for what's next for the Vandals. Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, we turn the page and we uh, have our conversations with uh, Dennis Patchen and Carrie Amy?
2: I'm just excited to see this team on the red field. You know, this is uh, one of those rivalries that some people think are, it, are it's talked about as being manufactured. I think you've seen it the last couple of years that even if it was a manufactured rivalry that the Big Sky kind of put together due to proximity – as you mentioned, there's starting to be some animosity there from the players. Uh, I, I think this is one of those games uh, that people are going to start getting up for. So if you're in the area, I know tickets seem to be pretty sparse. Uh, Easterns planning on showing out for this one, so we're going to use as many Vandals in Cheney as possible. If you're in Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, Moscow, Seattle, I mean, even Boise, there's flights from Boise to Spokane. Uh, try to get your try to get yourself in the in the Cheney, Washington, because. Um, I
1: think we're in for a really good game this weekend. Looking forward to it. We'll see you in Cheney. Appreciate the time as always, Chris, and uh, we'll chat here soon. And before we get to our conversation with Dennis Patchen, first, we'd like to remind you that the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals as team physician, orthopedic surgeon Dr. Kyle Hazelwood provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. And here is our visit with KHQ SWX sports director, longtime Inland Northwest broadcaster, Dennis Patchen, who has covered Idaho, Eastern, and the Big Sky for decades and decades and decades, former voice of Vandal football, great to chat with him. Here is our talk with Dennis. Well, Dennis, it's always a blast to be able to catch up. Again, uh, I just, not only the SWXKHQ sports director, so you've been on the call not only for the game Saturday when the Vandals beat Sac State, you will be on the TV call. For the game Saturday when the Vandals are in Cheney taking on Eastern, but we could go back a ways for how many Idaho Eastern games you've done. I uh, did a fantastic job for so many years uh, broadcasting Vandal football. The only tough thing is, is I have those big shoes to fill and I know you and I both, uh, <laughs> You and I both were, you know, in the footsteps of, uh, of Bob Curtis and following Tom Morris. But uh, uh, it is—it's uh, always an honor to be able to talk to you, and really, it—I uh, couldn't be more thankful to have taken over for you and someone who couldn't be more helpful. And the only downside is, like I said, those—those uh, those big shoes to fill. So let's start right here. For you, uh, obviously, you go back so many years, and you just know the history of Idaho and Eastern Washington and the Big Sky Conference. How long has it been that you've covered the Big Sky?
3: Well, I went to my first Big Sky conference football game when I was think about this fifteen, turning sixteen, and that would have been in seventy three. And that was the game at Idaho State um, in what was then the Mini Dome before it was Holt Mini Dome, um, and watch them play Nevada. And then, um, um, so I went. I went as a kid for a couple three years and then i was a student at idaho state and pretty much went to every game while i was there because i was working in the sports information office and i was a sports director for the local uh, radio station and then my last year i was that weekend sports anchor so i went to almost every game and the last year was a national championship then i went to montana for two years with larry donovan years when martin morningling was the quarterback and then you know, came here, and that's when Eastern was transitioning and trying to get into the Big Sky. And they remember they were an independent, and um, and beating Idaho in a playoff game in the Kibby Dome when Dick Zorns was the coach. Kind of was the was the impetus for Eastern to get into the conference. And then you know, it's I've been I've been covering it so long, 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 long time. I it's you know what? It'll be fifty years since I went to my first Big Sky conference
1: game. That just hit me. Wow. My goodness. Well, there's no one better to talk to and to add context uh, to everything. And for the Vandals, obviously, not only you covering the team, but broadcasting the games for years and years that you were there for uh, the end of the Sunbelt years, for the winning the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, and the beginning of the years back in the Big Sky Conference. So here, uh, Idaho on Saturday, that was a big win. You were on the call again uh, for that victory over Sacramento State, the first top 10 matchup for the Vandals at the The Dome since 1994, ending uh, all those long winning streaks, the regular season win streak, conference win streak, road win streak for Sacramento State. What were your takeaways from that clash that uh, went right down to the wire? The final score doesn't really illustrate that it was a game-winning field goal with one second left. What were your takeaways from that game?
3: Well, first of all, that that last touchdown was important to some. That's all I'm going to say at that point in time. So, um, no, you know what? I honestly said, as soon as that game was over, I I told Ryan Phillips, who I got to, to work with again, uh, who was my uh, my partner on radio for all those years, I got to, I turned to Ryan and I said, they should charge people for Um, because that game was that good. And I think most of the people would have paid against yes. that. I mean, you can, you can talk about great games in the history of this league. And, you know, I've done a lot of games. I've done Cat Grizz games. I've done. You know, Idaho Eastern games have done a, a lot of games and covered a lot of games. That's as good a game as you're ever going to see. Uh, two teams that flat championship DNA, not wanting to lose. I mean, Idaho looked like they had sacks State buried in the fourth corner. They were in pan, can, and, you know, the Hornets rallied. Um, that You know, they weren't going to go quietly, and Idaho wasn't going to let them, you know, get out of there with a win. It, it was as good a game as you're going to see defense, offense, just, just, just everything. And, and you know what you could see? And I, I know you saw this from the booth on the radio side, there was plenty of emotion, uh, in that game. Um, both teams were not very happy with one another and both teams were fighting to make sure that they did not lose, uh, lose, you know, walk off the field, a loser. And, uh, and I I phrase that not a loser, but losing the game because nobody was a loser in that game. But my, My thing with that is, is Chris, is I think we have an opportunity to see just as good a game this weekend as we did see last weekend.
1: It's a very good point. The Eastern game coming up. Eastern, a a team that last year, really an uncharacteristic season for them with just how good they have been year after year after year. And uh, one of the big, I think, overall questions for the Big Sky entering this year was, would Eastern Washington be able to bounce back? and a gauntlet of a schedule and what they've done with that schedule is about as impressive as anyone could reasonably expect. They're two and two, but they lost to North Dakota state playing at the home of the Vikings in that game, took Fresno state uh, down to the wire and more losing in double overtime and then their victory over Southeastern Louisiana and a really impressive road win over UC Davis last week. So Southeastern Louisiana, that's a team that Vandal fans are familiar with because that's who eliminated Idaho from the FCS playoffs last year. Year. that was their home opener that was back on September 16th you were on the call on the TV broadcast for the game uh, what were your thoughts on seeing Eastern take down a southeastern Louisiana team that's been a strong FCS program well I'm going to tell you that that we saw some things out of that
3: in that Eastern game and I did watch the, the, the Fresno game I mean and they're they're one play away from winning that game uh they make one play on defense when they're driving to tie the game or they make one play you know they had the ball in second overtime after Fresno had to settle for a field goal they got a touchdown they win that game they very easily could be three and one in 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 a very dangerous dangerous team um what I what I took away from that game two weeks ago was last week we saw Eastern when adversity hit they kind of bowed their head and just kind of you know went on their way and really didn't have that DNA like they've had for more than a decade of figuring out a way to win games like we saw Idaho last week or Sac State try to do last week. They kind of just folded up their tent and went home. They didn't do that last, last time they gave up the lead. They had the score twice in the fourth quarter to take the lead two different times. So I, it was it was a very impressive performance. I think Kiko Vesperis, who is a guy who hasn't started a whole lot, of a whole many, a bunch of games. He started out five college football games just stop sophomore. He's going to be a really good quarterback. He's got he's got the skill set. Uh, He can throw the football. He can run the football. Eastern's got their defense playing well, which is something that they really didn't do last year. Um, Much of the chagrin of Aaron Best. Aaron's an old fashioned coach. He wants to play defense and run the football. Um, He's an old line guy. He played old line at Eastern. He coached the old line for a long time. And that's his DNA. That's his making. And I think he's got the team that can play defense. And I think he's got the team that, that can run the football. Uh, they haven't had as much success as he's want. There's I think they're still trying to find a running back, but they got three capable guys back there. Their quarterback is good. He can run as well. So I think you're going to see them try and keep Idaho's offense off the field. By uh, running the football and limit the, the number of possessions, which is the crazy thing, because look at what Idaho did in the first possession. They took almost eight minutes off the clock in the opening possession. That was that was a very unlike Idaho drive, in, in, in my opinion.
1: And Idaho this year has scored a touchdown on every single drive uh, to open the game that they have had this season. Obviously, that's a theme the Vandals would like to have continue. Eastern has other thoughts. Eastern back where they're used to being the latest top 25 rankings. Eastern at 19, Idaho at 4. So the Vandals once again in a top 25 matchup. And the same could be said for Eastern. Their opponents the prior two weeks top 25 teams and it's interesting as you kind of talked about before And i know we've spoken about uh, you know between the two of us that you know when you have a rivalry sometimes you can call it a rivalry but it takes at least some of that recent history and, and since idaho has been back in the big sky i think back to the 2019 game that you were on the call of when idaho notched a, a very impressive win over eastern the two teams met up uh Two times in that spring season, and then we yeah. go to the, the last two meetings, and I don't think you could have more stark contrast in the outcomes. Two years ago, it was all Eastern. Eric Berrier was playing out of his mind, 71-21 to 21, Eastern, topping Idaho the last time these two teams met on the red turf at Roosefield and Cheney. Then last year, it was in favor of the Vandals, 48-16, to 16 you've been there you've been on the call for all these games that we're talking about in recent history what do you think about uh because there's a number of players who have been around for these games that have had drastically different outcomes what do you think about the mindset of these two teams are is uh, you know obviously they have something to be excited about in recent history and also something that they uh they're wanting to erase from their memories in recent history
3: yeah i, I i'm going to tell you chris it's an interesting situation because You know, you and I talked about this before we started recording this. This is a, this is a, rivalries are formed by great games. They're formed by passionate fan bases who have a bit of a disdain for the other fan base. And we have those. They're separated by distances. Close teams seem to have a rivalry and we have that. They're also established by if guys think they got embarrassed or if guys think they got their score run up on them. And I don't know if, if the second is true, but I know that, that, that the, 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 the Idaho guys got embarrassed when Barry went crazy against them. And I know that when Idaho, when Eastern came in, that was a team that was flying high and Idaho punched them right in the mouth and scored early and often in that game. Both teams have a lot of guys on this team that know, knows what it's like to dominate an opponent, but both teams have a lot of guys on this team that knows what it's like to get embarrassed. And that combination makes for great rivalries. And I know there's not a lot of love lost between these two programs. And now that they're, you know, they're recruiting against one another, their essence going after pretty much the same type of athlete in the same type of area. Winning is important for more than just walking off the field. It's important for, you know, for teams trying to get into the playoffs. It's important for recruiting. It's important for eyes on your program that's served by the t- same television market. This, 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 I think it's going to be a great game and and all of what's happened over the last few years, you know, heck Chris playing twice in one season. Are you kidding me? That's, I mean, that, that's a recipe for instant rivalry. You throw a match in a pile of wood and it explodes. So they played, you know, three times and, or, you know, twice that year. And then the, the two, the last two meetings. Holy cow, this could be
1: really, really interesting. You know, it's funny you say that, and I hadn't really thought about it in that context. But twice in the spring and then once in the fall of 2021, that made for three matchups. I know we talked about it at the time, but now we're a couple of years later. But you are yeah. totally right that those two, just the the programs kept meeting up time and time again over as short of a span as is possible. One thing I think is interesting that I'm sure uh, we both will be talking about uh, come Saturday in this game between Idaho and Eastern is the fact that October 16th, 2021, when Eastern beat Idaho by 50 points, Giovanni McCoy played in that game as a true freshman. And then Eric Berrier had seven touchdowns in that game. McCoy came in seven of 14, 82 yards and two interceptions. But he was, you know, put in a pretty uh, just difficult spot. And not that that was the Vandals. You know, they didn't have any choice at that point. He split time in that game with Zach Borish. But I remember thinking that Giovanni, held his own pretty well in that game and and took some hits and really showed some I just I just stature I thought and some toughness especially for a true freshman and here we are two years later and it's remarkable to think what he has been able to do winning the Jerry Rice Award last year it just uh things can can happen quickly and McCoy has just emerged as one of the star players and not just the big sky but across the FCS. I agree and you
3: know having played the red turf is an interesting beast in the in, because it takes a little bit of an adjustment the first time you're on there. Certainly for the quarterback looking down the field, he's not seeing green, he's seeing red. It's a little bit different. He's been on that field and seen that field. He's played on that field. It's done against the defense down in the field. That should certainly uh, help him out uh this weekend. And I think, you know, as good as he was last year, we still have to remember he's a he's a he's a relatively young quarterback. He's only starting his second season. His number of starts are what twelve? Did he did he start that game? I think Zach Moore started that game. They kind of split um, time. He I saw
1: mean, he saw in three games of it, not you know a, a only yeah. you know, a little bit of time.
3: And and to be honest with you, he's still a young quarterback. But having having played there, having gone against them, I think that will that will do him wonders. Um, I, I think I think here's the crazy thing is, and you you know you used to say you know look ahead to this. Um you know, when guys are seniors and what it's going to be like, but with the transfer portal now and Nil, you never know if guys at FCS level are going to stick around, but if Giovanni McCoy and Kiko Vesperis, who are both sophomores eligibility wise, stay at Idaho or stay at Eastern and continue their development and continue where I think they're going to be, that Eastern and Idaho in two years will have the two best quarterbacks of the conference there's they they're as good as anybody else in the conference, but if these two guys continue to develop, They're going to be as good as anybody in the the FCS and we get a chance to watch them if they stay three more times, which is ridiculous.
1: Well, it's funny. We're talking here today and the Vandals are getting ready to go on the road. Though Those first three games of the season on the road, those were true road trips. This is as is, is good of a road game as the Vandals can have going to Eastern Washington. And I know you've, you've traveled for Vandal football over the years, but when you were doing the broadcast, uh, part of that was during the Sunbelt years. I know you've got so many great stories. I'm just thinking when we have an, an easy road trip here to go up to Cheney this weekend, I'm thinking about road trips for you during those Sunbelt days. Uh, heading to Appalachian State or Troy or South Alabama. What comes to mind when you think about some of those those trips that you made to go all the way down to some of those Sunbelt schools during those years? Well, the, the,
3: the, the first memory I have is we, we went to Alabama three times in the same season. Uh, we went to Troy, went to South Alabama, and had a non-league game with Auburn. So we made three trips uh, one season um new mexico state which i think because we used to fly out of lewiston new mexico state was the closest sunbelt game and the next closest was texas so in essence a a minimum of probably i don't know almost three hours and then everything else was three or four hours um it travel was was not easy uh in that conference um and in fact i mean people didn't know i live in spokane um so even even Idaho home games, I was making the drive to Pullman, and then we had to drive to Lewiston. Ryan Phillips lives in Coeur d'Alene. We had to drive to Lewiston, catch the plane, and then drive home from Lewiston uh, after the games were over. So it wasn't easy. It it is so much easier now uh, for this team. I mean, you know, Flagstaff's not an easy place to get to, and there's some other outposts uh, in the Big Sky, but it's it's certainly it's 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 better. I mean, you know. The, the, the road trip that I'll never forget um, is is the is the win at Troy, where we had airline issues, uh, the charter service, and we we basically uh, for whatever reason it slipped through the cracks. We were, we're not able to get uh, a a plane um, in time, well in time in time to to really get there. So we we left Spokane at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, for an afternoon game at Troy. So we touched down. So, you know, it's a a four-hour flight and a two-hour time change. We touched down about 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, The players actually bust uh, to Lewiston. And then, uh, no, I think we were flying out of Spokane that day. They bust to Spokane, and then they bust back and went through everything they normally would on a road trip at the dome and then bust up to catch the flight um, and then flew and then went to the hotel for an hour. Ryan Phillips and I, the broadcast, we just drove because of the drive. Not only was it a trip to fly, he had another hour drive from Montgomery to Troy. Uh, we got there, did the game. Idaho wins the game, a blocked field goal on the last play of the game, 1916 um, with no sleep. Uh, we were in, we were in Alabama less than 20 hours. Um, so, when people say they had a tough road trip, I just kind of laugh. I just I just remember that game in the back of my head. So when you can get on a bus and go an hour and a half away, I know it's a road game, but it's it's nothing compared to what some of the travel is.
1: Oh, goodness. I, uh, I can't even imagine what that was like. And, again, it's so great to have your perspective on things because right now that was a top-10 matchup. The Vandals are fresh off of getting a victory over Sac State. The Vandals ranked fourth in the latest FCS Top 25 poll, And, you know, there's a lot of tough games in front of Idaho. There's the Eastern game. And, you know, the team can't look past Eastern, but we just know what the rest of the schedule is. There's a lot of challenges. Montana comes to town. Montana State certainly looms large. The only Big Sky team ranked ahead of Idaho in the schedule. But, you know, two years ago at this time, or even less than two years ago, there was a coaching change made after the end of the 2021 season, and you just, you never know what happens. But it really seems pretty remarkable what this coaching staff has been able to do in just this short span of time. You've been around for so many Vandal coaches, so many great eras of the program. What do you make of the job that Jason Eck and his staff has, have done since taking over the program?
3: It's pretty remarkable, Chris. Uh,
1: do you think, you know,
3: the offense that they put in was, was, was different I mean, there were some similarities. was different. The defense was completely different. Um, it was the team that, you know, half the guys were recruited when, when Jason got here, or not quite half maybe, but a lot of them were recruited to play in the Sun Belt, play at the FPS level, and now they're in the Big Sky Conference um, and doing those kind of things. What he's been able to do, come in and get guys to buy in, Uh, not having recruited a lot of those guys, trying to get some impact players in his first year when, you know, he took over late uh, in the season. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do. Um, And they're still a pretty young football team. Um, They've supplemented guys from the portal. And I think that's what you're going to see more and more. And I think you'll see more guys from the portal at schools in the big sky than necessarily from the junior college ranks. But you'll see those as well. But it's it's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do. And um, you know, having been around this team for a long time, it it it's it's a team that's that's having fun. I mean I I you know I go back to when Dennis Erickson took over uh, for Jerry Davich uh, in the in the early 80s, and that was a bit of a harder turn. He didn't have as as much immediate success, but he got the program turned around on the right level. And then Keith Gilbertson came in and just ran with it, and so did John L. Smith, uh, and then Chris Torney did a good job. And then, but then the transition was made to 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 move up to FBS, and that was kind of, you know, you know, there were three bowl wins, but it was pretty much the last 20 years. Uh, And I know people are still, some people are still upset that Idaho's not at an FBS school, but I think Idaho's in the right place. This is where they should be. This is where they belong. And I think, you know, Jason X is going to get them there faster than probably anybody else who took over a team that wasn't very good.
1: Well, just remarkable that the Vandals here—they are. You know, after you beat Sac State, you're not only notching a impressive conference win. You're competing at the top of the conference. You can, if things go the best case scenario, which is going to be really hard, but you're competing for a Big Sky title. You're competing to be a seed. Uh, You know, it is a long road to get to that point, but the Vandals are realistically one of those teams you could talk about of being in the mix of that potentially happening. And final question for you, Dennis, we've we've touched on some of the teams in the Big Sky, Eastern being one of them, Montana State. I know Montana, they're fresh off of what has been one of the most, uh, uh, Frustrating weeks, I'd have to imagine, at least frustrating outcomes that they have had in a while. What do you think uh, about the conference as a whole? There's a lot of big home games still to come with both Montana schools making their way to the Palouse. Just your thoughts on what the big sky landscape is like this year.
3: Well, I'm looking at the standings right now, Chris. And Montana, Cal Poly, UC Davis, and Weber State. Or excuse me. Or excuse me. Montana, Sac State, Cal Poly, UC Davis, Weber State. Okay. Those were all ranked teams last year. They're all 0-1. You know, Weber State didn't got beat 40-0. Nothing. Montana went to and got beat at Northern Arizona. I thought last year was the was the best year for football in the Big Sky Conference since I've been around, and that's been, you know, realistically 45 years. I think this this is this might be better. I really think this might be better. And, um, you know, Jason X said on uh, the post-game show, uh, when, he, when, he, when he would, you know, to go on the road meet people is not going to be easy, no matter who you're playing. I mean, we, people look at Cal Poly and, and on you know, there, they might be down. And certainly Northern Colorado is probably, at least early on, is probably the worst team in the league. I, I've seen that. I saw them live, and they, they weren't very good. Um, And I'm not sure about Idaho State. I think they're gonna get better, but you look at these teams. Idaho's a great team. So is Montana State. Uh, I still think Sacramento State's a great team. I I still think Weber State is gonna get into the playoffs. I don't know about UC Davis, but I mean, they have they have looked good at times. Um, Eastern Washington uh, should have beaten Fresno State. Let's be honest. They should be three and one, and they figured out a way. Um, last year or last week to go on the road and win a game when, when road games are not going to be easy to win. And you look at this league. uh, If anybody goes through this league unbeaten might be the greatest season in the history of the big sky conference, because there are there, there there's, you're going to have, I mean, I haven't looked at everybody's schedule, but you're going to have a minimum of five difficult games.
1: No, you're spot on. And so many teams had tough week one games, too, looking at that slate. Last week was daunting on some of those uh, big-time matchups. Uh, Dennis, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. It is always great to be able to to have a visit. And uh, I just can't wait for this game on Saturday. And look forward to seeing you up there in Cheney at Roose Field.
3: I appreciate that. I, I'm I'm okay with it being on Saturday. I got a lot of prep work to do. I gotta I gotta broadcast a high school soccer game and a football game on Friday as we open up the new stadium in Spokane. So I'm go, I'm good with waiting until Saturday for this game. But I, as we get closer, I I think if you have an opportunity to go sit in the stands and watch this game, I think you need to because I I think we got a chance to have another one like we had last week.
1: Well said. Appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you Saturday. All right, Chris. See you then. Thanks. Anytime. A reminder that the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandals team physician, orthopedic surgeon Dr. Kyle Hazelwood cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Well, practice starting this week for both hoops programs and no better time to sit down with the new head coach of the University of Idaho women's basketball team. Carrie Amy coming to the Palouse after a really, really impressive stint as the head coach at Nebraska Kearney at the Division II level. So much success there and so excited for Coach Amy to be here and to see what her staff can do and for the future of the Vandal Women's Basketball Program. Here it is right now, our conversation with Carrie Amy. Carrie, we really appreciate the time today. And uh, I just want to start here. How are you doing? I know it's been an exciting stretch uh, since April when you got hired. And and here we are. Uh, The hoop season is going to be started before we know it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. This is a blast. Um, Thanks for having having me on. And uh, it's been great. It's been uh, fast and furious. And we've had lots and lots and lots of things to do. Um, But here we are. And uh, we're on the verge of our first practice today. And so uh, all is well, you know, when you can get out on the on the court with your team and and uh, start getting ready to to play a competitive season. Um, you know, all the all the other stuff was worth it. And and uh, here we are. So uh, we're excited, looking forward to uh, the start of, of hopefully a great season. And, and
1: life is just kind of a big part of it. Not only are you 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 taking over the program, you're bringing in new players, you're assembling a coaching staff, but shoot, you're you're making a move from from Nebraska out here to the Palouse. Just how is how has that part of it been and getting settled in here in Moscow?
4: Yeah, you know um, the housing market was a little tricky. Um, I hear that from everyone that uh, is from around here. But uh, we yeah we found a. a a house and, and, uh, we were able to move in right before the school year started. So, uh, literally the week before. So, um, I wouldn't maybe highly recommend that, um, you know, because, uh, there was a lot going on to, to prepare, but, uh, that's just how the timing worked out and, and, uh, went pretty smooth. So, um, it's, it's nice to be able to have your things finally and to be, um, in a place where you feel settled and, and in your home and those sorts of things. So the timing couldn't have been more more perfect.
1: And with that, it was a busy summer. Not only everything that has to do with the program, but I know getting out and getting to meet Vandals and being at different booster functions, uh, what have been some of the highlights of being able to just uh be able to, to be introduced to and meet Vandal fans for the first time?
4: Yeah, you know, I, my first uh, real encounter with Vandal fans was um, the spring game. So I went over to the Best Western, um, kind of the after event uh, for the spring game. And um, that was, I was literally had taken the job the day before, you know. And so uh, that was very encouraging, eye-opening, impressive. Vandal fans are passionate. Uh, They are definitely into it. Um, And they, I mean, they were sitting there telling me everything about football team and asking me about specific players on the basketball team. And, um, you know, they're, they're educated. Uh, they, they are, uh, like I said, very passionate and I was super impressed with, um, just their knowledge and, and, uh, their engagement. And then, uh, this summer, my first experience with kind of the VSF and, and, um, Uh, their events were, I I went down with coach Pribble to the Buell pig out golf event and we had a blast. Uh, It was so much fun. So many great people, um, just really genuine uh, people who really want to invest in, in the Vandal athletic program. And um, yeah, it was, it was, awesome event. They did a phenomenal job putting it on and we got to run a hole and, and, uh, we, you know, we're really working on our sales pitches, uh, coach Pribble and I, and by the end we got really good at it and we felt like we, we, we did our due diligence in, in helping the cause. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've been to that one and then also went over to a great event over at Coeur d'Alene and, um, uh, also really met some incredible people and, and, um uh, you know, our VSF does such a great job of connecting, um, you know, Vandal fans and donors and alum. And it was, again, a very, very impressive event. So um, I think we were able to auction off some, uh, um, you know, some day day to be the coach, uh, Vandal coach. So we're looking forward to that. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it's been, every event that I've been to, I've been thoroughly impressed with, um, you know, supporters and and, uh, passion.
1: Speaking of thoroughly impressed, you and I are having this conversation today sitting inside the ICCU arena. I know when, I'm sure when you're uh, talking about this job and thinking about this job, that this is is a big plus and then you're here and now you get to work here day in and day out. What kind of facility is this? What kind of boost is this to a program to be able to call this home?
4: For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's several things and people have probably already heard me say this and may get tired of it, but it's, it's, it's truly how I feel. Uh, You know, it's one of those things that you see it online, right? You see pictures of it, you may see a video of it. um, But then when you walk into this building, Um, it's a whole different experience, um, you know, and whether it's the wood or the architecture or the combination of, of both. Um, and then you throw in that it's, it's a gym, you know, for a basketball coach is also really cool. Um, but it's, it's as, as impressive of a, of a basketball facility as I've ever been in, you know, I've been in a lot of really big ones, a lot of really nice ones. Um, but this is, uh, it's intimate. It's, uh, it's warm it's uh it's kind of a work of art in some ways, and then it's it's also a really really cool basketball facility um so just super grateful to have the opportunity to to show up here every day and to be able to work in such a a beautiful place um and then you know be able to go down on that floor and and be able to to have a team that gets to to practice in here every day and and um you know it's it's very, very unique um, and, uh, like I said, probably one of the most impressive places I've ever been in. And uh, everybody needs to come check it out for themselves because, like I said, it it, it feels much different than, uh, than what you see, you know, when you see a, a picture of it, although the pictures are impressive.
1: And with that, whether you're recruiting players or you're putting together your coaching staff, I know this is a big selling point. Let's start with the coaching staff. What was it like you take over the program? And obviously that's a, such a huge aspect of it is the people that you're working shoulder to shoulder with. Uh, how was it putting that staff together? I'm sure you're thrilled with the staff that you have to to be with you to to lead this program into the future.
4: For sure. Yeah. You know, I think um, when you're considering taking the position like this, especially at that time, it was a little bit later in the, in the spring. Um, I, I think that can sort of be one of those things in the back of your mind that you're thinking, man like this is a huge part of, of uh, what needs to happen first. And it's such an important part of it and almost kind of like a little bit worried about it. But for me, honestly, um, it, it happened really quick. Um, It happened with the right people. Um, And so, you know, part of our staff has been together for a long time. Um, You know, both Bailey and Devin are coaches that have been coaching with me for five plus years. Bailey uh, just, Um, completed five years with us. And then, you know, Devin, my husband has been, we've been coaching together. This is going to be our eighth year. So there's a lot of continuity there and a lot of um, just that, hey, you know, we all kind of know what we're good at and, and kind of the roles that we've been able to take on. And then, you know, being able to add two more really great coaches has just been so helpful and um to be able to add Drew Muscatel who was here on staff prior um he got us off to such a great start because he knows everyone he has great relationships with everyone um you know we needed to have visits immediately and um we would have been lost without him just because we didn't know the processes here and paperwork that needs to be done and and who does what here and all those sorts of things and he just kind of took it and, and ran with it. And, you know, Drew is such a, um, he's just such a people person. And that's kind of how we run our program. You know, it's, uh, we have, you know, great relationships with our, with our student athletes and, and, uh, try to establish those sorts of relationships with community members and, and, um, you know, alum and and all of those things. And as I observed him in those first couple of days when I was around here, uh, you know, I just noticed that he had such great relationships and everybody loves him and respects him. And, um, you know, he's just a, a person of in- integrity. Um, he works really hard and just does a fantastic job. And he's obviously been around coaching for a long, long time as his dad was a college basketball coach. And so he gets it, you know, and so um to be honest uh I met with him and uh you know at first it was kind of me interviewing him and about 20 minutes into the conversation I really felt like it flipped and I started to sell him on why he should stay here you know and so it's kind of funny we joke about that now but um you know it didn't take me very long to 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 really recognize that he would be a, a really important asset in and um you know help in so many ways. And so, um, he, yeah, he's been phenomenal and, uh, continues to just prove, you know, why he's, he's, uh, gonna continue to be a successful coach. Um, and then Arthur, uh, you know, that one came from, it's, it's a really interesting story because, um, my husband, Devin met him in Kansas at a junior college, uh, national tournament five or six years ago and both the program that he was a part of and the and the program that we were rebuilding was kind of at a place where they were struggling both both programs a little bit and um, they just kind of were sitting by each other, struck up a conversation. devin and Arthur both can strike up a conversation with about anybody, and so they they started talking to each other and and kind of just you know got to know each other a little bit and then started following each other over the years and their program started to become you know way more successful, and our program started to become way more successful, and they just kind of stayed connected and Continue to encourage each other and check in with each other and those sorts of things. And so, um, on the other side of that, uh, Arthur is also really, really good friends with Drew. Um, they used to coach in the WD uh, coach against each other in the WCC uh, several years ago, and so um, they also had a friendship. So it's very interesting um, that Arthur was a common, um, you know, common denominator in uh, people that Drew knew and in people that we knew, and so. Um, you know uh is unique he's uh you know Brazilian and he came over to play um college basketball and so he he relates especially with international students um in such a different way than than those of us who are um you know here and who've always been here, um, as, as citizens of the United States, um, you know, he just connects on a, on a very different level and he's able to, to help them understand all the different, you know, paperwork and, and, uh, I-20s and, and there's so many things that they have to kind of go through to be able to even have an opportunity to play in the United States. And so, um, he, he is a secret weapon, uh, in my opinion, from a, from an international recruiting perspective and uh, he's he's a bright coach. Um, he has a great basketball mind. He's his work ethic is incredible. So um, yeah, as I was saying, kind of long story short, uh, the thing that I was probably most worried about has been the thing that has probably came the quickest and and has been the most seamless. Well,
1: that's great to hear, and it's amazing how small of a community the the coaching community is, and great to have that kind of uh, instant chemistry and instant uh, level of familiarity with everyone. On the staff, so that that's the coaching staff, and then it comes to the roster. So I know an exciting mix of returners, but also some newcomers as well. As well, as uh, here we are on the on the cusp of the first practice as you and I talked today. How do you look back on the process of assembling this roster for for the team?
4: Yeah, I mean it was again really fast. Um, you know, we kind of got here around May first, late late April, May first, and so um, the portal closes within, you know, just a couple weeks of then. And so, um, that was a little worrisome, um, when you're going into it, where you have several spots you need to fill on the roster and the portal is closing and there won't be any uh, additions other than, um, those who are, you know, grad students working to get master's degrees. And so we worked very quickly. Um, and you know, we have a great mix, really. We have six, uh, returners, and then we had two incoming freshmen that signed NILs uh, back, or NLIs, excuse me. It's funny how those, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. a couple <laughs> letters, it's very different
1: now on college sports.
4: Right, we're talking out two completely <laughs> different things, but, uh, um, you know, they had signed uh, in the previous fall, and so, um, you know, we have eight we had eight that we kind of knew, OK, we have these eight and then, you know, obviously seven more spots. And so uh, we we worked quickly. Uh, we were able to we knew that we would need some experience um, because that was something that the current roster didn't necessarily have a ton of with so many of the players who played significant and heavy minutes departing. And so we knew we needed experience, um, players who had played a lot of college basketball. Um, we knew that would be super helpful for us. Um, we also needed some size. And, um, and so, you know, we, 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 our strategy was to make sure that we were recruiting high character, um, players who we had connection with, we thought was really important. So we really knew what we were getting. And, um, I think we were really able to get both of those. And, um, obviously, you know, players who had had success, um, and, and to kind of know what that looks like, to be able to achieve that, um, and so we worked, like I said, very quickly in um, being able to first um, add the point guard that played for us at UNK, uh, Sarah Schmidt. I think it's extremely important to be able to have somebody who understands kind of your philosophy, your concepts, your uh, especially from offensive standpoint and really defensive too. And so, um, you know, Sarah was a player who who started out her career at the university of Nebraska Omaha division one in, in Omaha, Nebraska. And so, um, she, coaching changes happened there and things like that and ended up transferring to UNK. And so she was a, she was a starter played 30 plus minutes, um, at UNO. So we already kind of knew that she was, you know, kind of a proven division one player, um, which gave us a, a lot of confidence in being able to say, okay, she can for sure make this transition. Um, and then obviously knowing us really well was, was going to be super helpful. And so, uh, we were successful in, in, uh, getting her to, to come make, make the trek over here with us. And, um, and then, uh, we also were able to add some other, grad transfers who had played significant college minutes. Um, So Amelie Langer uh, was at San Francisco who Arthur obviously had known very well. Um, She had gotten in the portal back in the spring before, before we even took this job. And so, um, you know, we, that was another target for us was to be able to, to bring in a really, really good defender, probably an elite, one of the best defenders I've seen, um, you know, be able to, to really lock down, um, talented players, and and uh, just has a toughness about her that um, you know will help any team win, really. Um, and so we were able to to get Amelie and then Hope Butera is also a grad transfer. She was uh, most previously at Florida International. So we got you know three players: a point guard, a, a, a wing, and a and a six three post player, um, who all had played significant college basketball minutes. And so, um, that we, we kind of nailed it with, um, with those three. And they're also, you know, great people, um, great teammates. Um, so uh, from a culture building standpoint, we knew, um, you know, those were just no, no brainers. Um, and then we added Kennedy Johnson, uh, who has two years left. Um, she was at UC Santa Barbara, um, high level basketball. Um and so we uh knew we needed some some more forwards. <laughs> and uh, you know, she's done a phenomenal job for us already. Great athlete, um, very skilled. Um, uh, so really excited about her as well. And then um then we were able to add two junior college players. Um Georgia Gray, six three, again the size, and then Mikala, um she is uh, kind of a longer wing um so, like I said, we were able, uh, Michaela Bork is her last name. And so, uh, yeah, we were able to add good size, you know, good athleticism, experience. Um, and I'm super proud of our coaching staff because um, with that, you know, short amount of time, uh, we, were, we were able to put together a, a, a great roster.
1: Exciting to hear about some of these newcomers that will be yeah. in a Vandal uniform uh, coming up this season. A quick reminder that the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, as team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region. At Inland Orthopedics, our team is your team. The schedule right in front of us here. I know it's been publicly announced. It's exciting to think of what uh, what is coming up this season. I know when you take over late and even in the first year, maybe your your complete fingerprints aren't over the non-conference schedule, but maybe to a degree. Uh, what do you think about the, the non-conference schedule? And then, of course, always a very competitive conference slate uh, will be here when, uh, shoot, the, uh, the end of uh, 2023 rolls around, and we're off and rolling once January gets here.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, Drew was very involved in this, uh, scheduling process even before we showed up. And so it was, it was natural for him to kind of just continue working on it. Um, and obviously we had, had some, some input with it and things like that, but he did a really, really good job. And, um, you know, I think, uh, obviously we're excited about going to Hawaii. Um, you know, that's always always a great thing when you can go play some basketball and, and see such a beautiful place. But, um, you know, I I think there's some really good balance uh, in our non-conference schedule. You know, there's some games that, um, uh, the other thing we're excited about is that we have some home games, um, six, yeah, six home games. And that was kind of one of our priorities. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to travel. Um, but also too, sometimes I feel like if you travel a ton in the non-con, um, you know, you're it's it's just you're then you've got to travel quite a bit, uh, when you're in league and so it can get a little bit um overwhelming, I think, for your players. Um, there's something to be said about being able to to sleep in your own bed and to um, you know, get get good rest and not, not have to, you know, be on planes and trains and buses and those sorts of things. So, um, maybe not the trains part, but the but the buses and the and the uh planes for sure. So you know, that was one of the things that we said is, hey, can we maybe try to, to secure some, some home games and, and maybe get some series going where it's, you know, home and home and, and uh, balance it out maybe a little bit more. But, um, you know, I, I do understand that, that, uh, Moscow is not the easiest place to travel to. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a little bit challenging to be able to secure, you know, some, some home games in the non-con. Um, so, you know, we'll continue to work hard at that uh in the future and make sure that um yeah, we try to keep a, a balanced non con schedule. But um, you know, we start out with Walla Walla and um it, I think it's great to play local games. Um, you know, uh some teams that they know who the University of Idaho is. They think it's you know, they think it's a, a cool thing to be able to come here and, and play and um you know, so because we're not gonna play an exhibition game, so uh, it will be kind of a a first game for us to be able to figure some things out. Um, you know, there's always those, uh, game day, even at your home, home gym jitters. And, and, um, and so, you know, it's, to me, it's always good to be able to open, open at home. And then, um, you know, we've got Cal Poly and then we go to Hawaii, um, Utah Valley at Utah state. And then, um, you know, we start out December, we go Texas A&M and then to Oregon. So, um, I know Drew's excited about that one. That's his alma mater. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool for us to be able to to go up to Oregon. And um, then we finished the semester with uh, Grand Canyon and Evergreen State. And so, um, you know, like I said, there's, there's some really good games in there, um, some really great games for us to be able to gauge kind of where are we at what do we need to grow in? How do we need to get better? Um, you know, and some, and some games that are really going to test us. And, and I think all of those things are really important. You know, if you can, if you can find some places to have some, some success and get some confidence, but then also, you know, find some, some games where you can really be able to see, okay, what, what are the areas that we need to make sure that we, we clean up and we fix um, to, before we jump into conference play.
1: Well, those uh, those first two games are at home, November 6th against Walla Walla. Then November 8th, Cal Poly will be here in Moscow. So uh, make sure everyone, if they don't have their calendars marked, to come out for those games. Uh, it'll be really exciting to see the team in action. I know I'm sure for the returners, just the way the, the schedule worked out last year, and it just uh, you know it's just the way it works out, but there were not a lot of non-conference home games last year. So I'm sure those returners are thrilled to have six non-conference home games. And then if you're going to log the miles... There's worse places to go than Hawaii.
4: Absolutely. No question. Uh, Drew said that. He said, uh, you know, we've got this trip to Hawaii. Do you want to, do you want to keep that? I was like, are you seriously asking me this question? Yes, we're keeping, keeping that, uh, those games. And so, yeah. And speaking of returners, um, you know, I I just want to say that uh, they, they are for sure, super happy about a few more home games um, in the non-con, but also too, they've been incredible. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, you know, when, when, uh change happens and and a new coach comes in um you know and uh there's a lot of ways people can react to that and they've been nothing but receptive and super coachable and just willing to to kind of embrace the newcomers and uh, and so you know there there's a a lot of super high character um great people in that group and and, um, so they've, they've been awesome and, um, you know, on our freshmen as well, um, you know, they signed their letters of intent before they knew I was going to be the coach, you know? And so it's been really, really great to kind of, we didn't get to go through the recruiting process with, with any of the returners or the freshmen. And so, um, just, it's been great over the last, you know, couple of months to, to really spend some time with them, get to know them, um, you know, and, and, uh yeah i i can't be more pleased with the the type of people that they are and the teammates that they are and so um yeah just super uh, you know impressed with with uh how they've you know handled all of this
1: a lot to be excited about uh, for the program coming up. And and final question for you. Uh, I know you've been busy, but since you've been here in Moscow, what's been your favorite thing to do in Moscow? Is there something that, that stands out? I know you're still kind of getting settled in overall, but what has been, Is uh, there been one or two things that stand out as kind of your favorite things to, to do or experience in the area?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this one's going to be, everyone's going to say, well, yeah, I mean, but the farmer's market is legit. You know, um, when people first kind of started telling me about it, I was like, yeah, you know, I've been to a lot of farmers farmers markets. I'm sure it's, you know, similar, it's probably all right, you know, whatever. And the first, first weekend I went, I was like, oh, this is like, they take this serious. Like, this is, this is legit. Like it's, you know, it's a big deal, you know? And so, um, we haven't missed one when we've been around, you know, there's been obviously a few weekends we've been out and about recruiting and and, uh, out of town. But, uh, if we're in town, we're, we're going to make it to the farmer's market. So, uh, that's been very, very impressive. Um, the second thing I will say is, uh, Devin, Devin and I, we, on the weekends, we really enjoy the, the biking trails. So try to, uh, get out and about and, and check those out. And, and, uh, you know, it, it takes a little bit to learn where they take you and, And, uh, we've kind of hit some dead ends once in a while that we weren't expecting. But, um, you know, the, the thing that's interesting for us about that is, is we come from a very flat land. Um, you know, the plains of Nebraska aren't exactly, uh, very hilly. And so there's, there's a few hills here in Moscow that, uh have been close to the death of me. Um, <laughs> kind of one of those like oh I think I need to stop and take a break here. Um once I once I get up the hill, but uh it's been it's been great. Um and and the other thing is just the people. You know, I'm from small town Nebraska. Um you know, where I think one of the the mottos in Nebraska is Nebraska nice. And um I'll have to say the people from Moscow and the surrounding communities uh remind me a lot of home and uh the people here have been super supportive and genuine and um you know when you're when you're moving that far across the country uh it's super nice to to be around people who remind you of home and so been been really really impressed with um just the the the, the people and how genuine they are and and uh how supportive they've been
1: I love to hear it. This has been a blast having this conversation today, and I will say we get to look forward to having coaches' shows. So the, the basketball coaches' shows will uh, will be here before we know it, really kind of kicking into gear once conference starts in January. So uh, thank you for the time, for, for having this conversation, and uh, just can't wait till hoop season gets here, and we'll be uh, over at the Fairfield by Marriott uh, getting caught up on all things Vandal Hoops uh, every Tuesday night before we know it.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to it.
1: That's all for this episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast, which is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. Big thank you to everyone joining us on the podcast this week. Chris Hammond, Dennis Patchen, and Carrie Amy. I'm Chris King signing off. Look forward to chatting with you again soon on the Vandal Radio Network. Keep an eye out next week for our next edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, these up.
0: This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho Athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho Athletics.